So Kevin McCarthy figured out a way to win. Congratulations, I suppose. It took 15 rounds of voting. That's, that's the first time in 160 years that has happened. McCarthy managed to flip 16 holdouts, and then a bunch of others voted present. So this was an embarrassment. We will get to all the details coming up. President Biden compared illegals crossing the southern border to Jews fleeing Nazi Germany to avoid death camps. That is what Biden said. We will play you those disgraceful comments coming up. So this is an embarrassment. It's not an embarrassment for McCarthy as much as for the Republican Party, the entire party. My litmus test, right? Let's say the Democrats did this. I mean, we would be enjoying every second. We'd be laughing hysterically. We'd be, I mean, just just, just reveling in the Democrats' humiliation. So how is it any different here? And look, uh, the party's dysfunctional. I understand some people want the party to be dysfunctional, but let's call it what it is. Um the six remaining holdouts voted present, as I said. We are going to get to the list of concessions. Kevin McCarthy, the conservatives, the House Freedom Caucus members who were holding out, got him to make a bunch of concessions. And look, what there were really two groups of holdouts. Very important to define what went on here. There were there was the group of holdouts who wanted to squeeze more concessions. They did support McCarthy in the end. They voted in favor of McCarthy, but they wanted to squeeze him. They you know, they wanted to basically take away a lot of power of the speaker and and of the establishment conservatives give the conservatives a lot more power and leverage. Now that's politics, okay? It should have happened earlier. They shouldn't have waited until, you know, this whole embarrassing all these rounds of votes. But then there was a group of holdouts, including Matt Gates, Lauren Boebert, who refused to vote for, for McCarthy even when they knew he was going to win. And they said, no chance. We're never going to vote for McCarthy. And I'm sorry, but that's inexcusable. Uh, uh, you know, Sean Hannity asked Lauren Boebert, all right, so who is, who's your candidate? Who's going to be the Speaker of the House? Who's going to get more votes? Who, who are you going to put up there? If, if McCarthy can't get the votes, you certainly don't have anybody who's going to hit 218. And there was nothing. She kept dodging the question. Hannity said, I feel like I'm talking to a liberal. OK, now, I don't think a war within the party is the way to go. I honestly think, you know, the reason we lost so big in November, the Republicans, people think it was because of Trump. I don't think it's because of Trump. I think it's because the party is dysfunctional. And I think it's because of stunts like this. Uh, so, you know, Chip Roy eventually uh, was flipped. To, to support McCarthy. Byron Donalds was flipped to support McCarthy. Here are the ones who eventually agreed to vote present because that was needed because in the end, McCarthy won two, with 216 votes. He needed 218, but because six the six holdouts, the final holdouts, vote, uh, voted present, so that actually brought down the threshold because Hakeem Jeffries, the Democrat, got 212 votes. So the six holdouts at the end of the day refused to, to support M McCarthy were Andy Biggs, Lauren Boebert, Eli Crane, Matt Gates, Bob Good, Matt Rosendale. Um, here's the thing. McCarthy's not a rhino. McCarthy is pretty conservative. He's not Jim Jordan. Okay. He's not Newt Gingrich, but he's one notch away. Okay. McCarthy is going to give us almost everything we want in terms of the investigations. They're already starting. You're going to see, uh, and look, you know me, I'm always very skeptical, and we know what happened with John Durham, and we know, you know, A.G. Barr and uh, the, the failures, the Republicans, to investigate and indict all the Democrats who have committed all those crimes, okay? But they're going to expose a lot of things. This is going to be very ugly for the Democrats. So they're going to investigate Hunter Biden. They're going to investigate Joe Biden. They're going to investigate the FBI, Twitter. They're going to investigate Dr. Fauci. 
and the CDC and the FDA and, and you know and, and and the vaccine companies so, and, and 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 McCarthy's letting a lot of conservatives lead these investigations that's a very big deal all the things we've been waiting to be exposed all these years are finally going to be exposed so what more exactly do you want and and he's going to shut down Biden you know and, and and by the way the first McCarthy announced the first the first bill they're going to vote on is a bill to defund the 87,000 IRS employees that have been hired by Biden, by the Biden administration. Okay, they want they want to not hire those eighty-seven thousand. Now, I imagine that's going to die in the Senate, but it but but that definitely sends a very strong message. Okay, so Biden McCarthy is going to make Biden's life miserable here over the next two years, I believe. If he doesn't, then we'll say, hey, listen, we were wrong. But I don't think that's going to happen. Now, is he going to impeach Biden? No. Okay, that frustrates me. But the 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 sorry, it's just not going to happen. The Republicans are just pretty spineless, and there's nobody who's going to impeach Biden. And 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 we just have to get used to that. Are they going to balance the budget? No, they're not going to balance the budget. We know that it's not going to happen. Now, does that frustrate me? Sure, that frustrates me. But there is no way you do not have enough Republicans, certainly no Democrats, but you don't have enough congressmen, period, who are interested in balancing the budget. That is sad. That is pitiful. Okay, it's inexcusable. But it is what it is. You've got to come to grips with reality. So these six holdouts who refuse to vote for McCarthy, it's about ego, in my opinion. Um, all right. So as I said, you know, we are going to get to the McCarthy concessions coming up. But first, I want to mention one more word about the Trump tax returns. I know we talked about this last time. But do you remember when uh, Trump was fighting to keep his tax returns private? And we said he has every right to do that. You know, and, and as a candidate, they said, well, he can't win. Nobody since Nixon, every candidate has released their tax returns. And in 2016, he won and he fought to keep it private. And remember, the Democrats and the media said, well, what's he trying to hide? If he really didn't do anything wrong, which now we know it's been proven that he did nothing wrong because he's exonerated. I mean, they they, they, they have gone through all of his tax returns and uh, not a single indictment, no, no charges, no subpoena, nothing. So here's the question or no additional subpoenas, you know, so he did nothing wrong. Um, he, he, he They're squeaky clean. Now. Here's the question. The, the, when he was fighting in court, and it was a long court battle, right? And Trump probably spent a lot of money on lawyers to protect his tax returns. And the Democrats said, well, what's he trying to hide? He obviously has nothing to hide. And what did I say? I said, he's got nothing to hide. Number one, he likes to win. So he's not going to just go down without a fight. He's not going to let himself be defeated like that. But also, you know, when you're a billionaire like Trump um, and you're a businessman, you should not have to reveal your personal tax returns if you don't want to. And we said, and this is the most important, we said they're going to use it as a weapon. If it get, if it gets released, even if it proves to be squeaky clean, as it did, then it, they're still going to use it as a weapon. They're going to go through it. They're going to see all the deductions, all the loopholes, etc. And they're going to use it. They're going to put out all these bombshell headlines, these bogus fake news headlines. Trump paid zero in taxes. Trump took all these deductions, making it sound like, how could Trump pay zero in taxes? He's obviously cheating. He's obviously, he's obviously committing tax fraud. No, he's not. He's got good accountants. He uses loopholes, okay? He loses, when you're a businessman of that, of, of that magnitude, you know, you have a lot of businesses that lose money, a lot of investments that lose money, and those losses offset a lot of the taxes you have to pay very often, and, and it can carry over from year to year. So there are years where he paid zero in taxes. The New York Times, Washington Post, uh, you know, makes that a bombshell headline. Oh, Trump, Trump paid zero in taxes for, 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 for multiple years. Well, actually, there's nothing wrong with that, okay? That, that he's actually doing that total, in a totally legit way, 
But but what do we say? We said if they, the minute they get released, even though he did nothing wrong, they're going to use that as a weapon. That's exactly what happened. It would have happened when he was president running for re-election, and that's exactly why we defended his right. Now, a listener asked me, how do they even have a right? Aren't tax returns private? I mean, can, can they just release all of our tax returns? I mean, th- th- that's private information. That's information that's personal, and the government has no right to release that information. And that's a great question. And, you know, and I looked into this and the answer is you're right. They, they really, te- they got through, it's a technicality that the Democrats essentially used to release tax returns, which is totally, totally not allowed, but the courts just didn't stop them and the courts are not going to stop them and, and intervene. And it's very frustrating, by the way. And let me just explain what happened was, you know, that was the legal battle was Trump said, these are my private tax returns. You have no right. The IRS had no right to release them to Congress to begin with, which is interesting. And that was really the fight. Once Congress has them, so they're technically declassified, or I guess they're not classified, but they're technically, at that point, public record. So that's how this went was, the fight was releasing them from the IRS to the Democrats in the House. Once it was in the, once in the possession of the Democrats, then they have a right to release it, even though it's really unfair. It's totally unfair. But it's illegal for the IRS to turn it over to Congress to begin with, but that's where they had a court battle because if a chairman, there's some technical loophole, which never happens. When does a chairman of a congressional committee ever ask for anybody? They're not going to ask for your tax returns or my tax returns, but they ask for Trump. So so Richard Neal, uh, chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee, he asked for Trump's tax returns. Trump was still president. The Treasury Department said, no, we are not going to comply. And um, and then this 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 chairman, Richard Neal, he sued at that point. He sued the Treasury Department. And under Biden, the Treasury Department said, all right, we'll comply. We'll release Trump's tax returns, of course. And um, a federal judge ruled that the request was legal and the Supreme Court just refused to get involved. So basically, this is never done and it's probably illegal. But, the, you know, you had the same formula you always have. A court, um, probably a leftist court, uh, d- d- did not prevent it from being turned over because Biden's Treasury Department did it. It was just a whole bunch of Democrats. The Democrats did it on their own. And the court said, well, we're not going to get involved. And that's how this always happens with Trump is the Democrats play dirty. And the courts very often, sometimes they'll intervene. But most of the time they say, all right, you know, we'll just stay out of it and just let them, you know, it's just dirty politics. But they never they never allow that, of course, with Hunter Biden or with Hillary Clinton. But when it comes to Trump, yeah, let him be a target. So it it was totally, totally unethical and probably illegal for them to release his tax returns. Uh, Playing the lottery is a scam. The mega millions is worth a lot of money right now. But don't don't buy. I'm not going to tell you what to do. But I read an interesting op-ed in the Washington Examiner I wanted to share with you, which says, don't buy these lottery tickets. The whole thing's a scam. And essentially what it's saying is, you know, we know that it's gambling, but it's gambling where you never win. I mean, the odds are infinitesimal. So it's almost like throwing $2 or whatever it costs in the garbage. And look, I'm not telling you not to buy. It's fun. You want to buy it. I buy a very rare occasion. I buy myself a lottery ticket, so I'm not telling you what to do. But essentially, the op-ed argues that the government, it's basically, it encourages socialism. The lottery encourages socialism, which is why a lot of low-income people, you'll see a low-income people, they'll go and they'll buy up tons of lottery tickets. Because, like, that's their version of working for a living. And that was really the point of the op-ed, and I think it's a really interesting point, the psychology of this. So the government uses the false promise of free money to lure people to just throw their hard-earned money away, but not just to throw it in the garbage. It's worse than throwing it in the garbage. You're giving it to the government. I mean, where does that lottery money go? It goes to the, it goes to the government. So they're luring you. They're tempting people um, who are never going to end up winning into actually handing their money over to the government. It's all, You're almost better off throwing the money in the garbage 
than giving it to the government. So it's sort of like a voluntary tax that they pressure you. And that's the really interesting part of this. And uh, so let me read you this op-ed. The the op-ed essentially says that the lottery is a microcosm for socialism, quote, and by the way, mo- a lot of the money, you know, you think, oh, well, the money goes back to, prize, to, to, to prizes and winnings, right? They'll take that money, and that's the money they're going to use for uh, the actual prize money. No, some of the money is used for the prize money, but a lot of the money is also used uh, to fund government programs, which is what's interesting. Quote, the lottery sells people the false promise they can become uber wealthy without doing any work. All someone has to do is buy the right ticket and they can become the lucky winner. However, lottery games do not exist to make you rich. While some win millions, gambling in state lotteries, the government is always the lottery's biggest winner. State lotteries are not run by generous people who want to give you money. Instead, states run lotteries so they can take more of your money, making the lottery more of a voluntary yet regressive tax. On average, states only pay out 63% of the revenue generated by the lottery, according to CNN. The rest, about $34 billion, goes to paying salaries and advertising and funding government-run education, social programs, and even putting money in states' general funds. The average adult in the U.S. spends $325 a year on lottery tickets. However, low-income people are more likely to play, and they spend a higher portion of their income on lottery tickets. End quote. So that's a, that's a really interesting point. Never thought of it that way. All right, so back to the Kevin McCarthy stuff. You know, so some people have been praising the, the the holdouts and say, listen, they're the only Republicans. Republicans never want to fight. Only Democrats want to fight. Republicans refuse to fight. They're cowards. But at least we have some holdouts here who are willing to fight. Look, I agree. I like the fact that they're willing to fight, but they were fighting the wrong team. You're supposed to fight the Democrats. You're supposed to fight the media. You're not supposed to fight against Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan, who is literally the most staunch conservative in the House and the most outspoken conservative and extremely pro-Trump. Jim Jordan supported Kevin McCarthy. Trump supported Kevin McCarthy. Newt Gingrich supported Kevin McCarthy. McCarthy is not Paul Ryan. Remember Paul Ryan refused to fund Trump's wall? I mean, you know, Paul Ryan, you know, he he, he couldn't manage to, 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 to do repeal and replace of Obamacare. Paul Ryan was a huge disappointment. That is not the story with Kevin McCarthy. Okay, now, so here are the concessions that were made by McCarthy. The motion to vacate is going to require just one House member. And look, this does take away a lot of McCarthy's leverage, obviously, or any Speaker of the House. The motion to vacate, that means uh, the the, the, motion to vacate means that they can actually push for a vote and actually demand and get a vote to take to, to remove the House Speaker. So. The question is, how many? How many House members would it take? Pelosi refused to even do five. Pelosi's, you know, some some Democrats wanted her motion to vacate to have a threshold of five members, meaning five members could push forward a vote to basically have the Speaker of the House removed. Pelosi refused to do that. McCarthy originally agreed to five. The holdouts weren't happy with that. So then it, it came down to one. So it literally takes one member. If one member says, I'm not happy with Kevin McCarthy, I want to vote on removing him as speaker. One member can create that vote. And basically that threat is what got John Boehner ousted as speaker. Back when was it? I don't know, 2015? So, uh... McCarthy did make that concession where all you need is one vote for the motion to vacate. Uh, McCarthy agreed to hold a floor vote to establish term limits for Congress. Is that going to pass? I highly doubt it. I'm pro term limits, but I just don't think that Congress wants to term limit themselves out of office. But there is going to be a floor vote. So that's nice. Uh, McCarthy 
uh, agreed to a floor vote on a border security bill, which is going to include funding for a border wall. Again, obviously, that's going to die in the Senate if that passes. But let's see it. Let's let's force these members of Congress to go on record. Uh, McCarthy agreed to move bills through, in other words, uh, uh, appropriations bills, which is funding bills, spending packages. They go through in regular order which is 12 appropriations bills individually as opposed to one large omnibus package. So let me just explain that one. The way it works is part of the you know the scam, the shenanigans, the uh, cheap, dirty tricks that Congress does is they have one up-down vote. Let, let's say this $1.7 trillion spending package that just passed this monstrosity a couple weeks ago, right? So what's an omnibus package? An omnibus bill means that they take a bunch of—there's supposed to be 12 individual spending bills— they put them all together in one package. So it's an up-down vote. So you're either voting for it or against it. There's no in-between. And that's how they manipulate and pressure members of Congress because, oh, you didn't vote in favor of health care for children. You know, this congressman, well, no, I actually didn't vote in favor of all the millions of dollars, billions of dollars that are wasted. Oh, but that's all included in the same bill. So they try to basically, they they, they, they pressure these members of Congress. Well, if you vote against it, then we're going to say that you voted against the children and the seniors and funding Social Security and all that other stuff. So they lump it together as all one bill. It's supposed to be 12 different bills, but they lump it together as one bill. They call it the omnibus bill. And that's how they force members of Congress to vote, mostly Democrats, but some Republicans as well, to vote in favor of these massive spending bills. So McCarthy, and, and that's not how it's supposed to be. This supposed to be like one bill for defense, one bill for education, one bill for health care. It's split up. However, they split it up, but it's split up into 12 different committees, 12 different spending packages. So what you should be able to do is say, listen, I'm voting in favor of seniors and I'm voting in favor of health care for children, but I'm voting against you know, whatever crazy, these these crazy other uh, spending programs that are totally wasteful. But you're not able to do that. They make it all or nothing. So Kevin McCarthy, that was one of the concessions to the conservatives that they're going to bring these up as 12 separate bills so you can vote in favor of eight of them and against four of them, and they can't manipulate it and say, oh, you voted against the children, you voted against the elderly. Uh, he's uh, McCarthy agreed to create a subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government, so that's going to investigate how, you know, the DOJ, the FBI, the CIA have all been used um, as weapons to hurt Trump, to hurt conservatives. And, you know, as far as the CDC and COVID and all that, they're going to investigate all these government agencies that have literally been weaponized. That's a big deal. Um, McCarthy agreed to require a minimum of 72 hours uh, from the release of a final text of a bill until the vote on the House floor. So it's not like, you know, right now they can release a bill that's thousands of pages long, and you have eight hours or 10 hours until the vote, <clears throat> which isn't even enough time, physically speaking, to read it. It's just literally not enough time. So uh, now it's going to be 72 hours from the time the text of the bill of the final version is released until they begin voting is a minimum of 72 hours. That's a big deal. And McCarthy agreed to bring back something called the Holman Rule. That allows House members, it basically allows um, just any House member to add an amendment that would defund certain programs. So the Holman rule, basically, members can propose amendments to spending bills that would cut the salaries of specific federal workers or cut the funding of specific federal programs down to a dollar, which cutting it down to a dollar basically defunds them. Doesn't mean that you have to, that, that the amendment is going to get voted you know, on, but in other words, they're able to introduce, to propose that amendment. Any House member, that's a big deal. And... Um, yeah. So, you know, and some there are some Republicans who want to defund, you know, all sorts of different programs. And like we said, you know, they're, they're going to vote to defund 
these uh, 87,000 IRS agents. So those are, and, and I believe there's going to be an increased presence of, con- of, of conservative members on a lot of the uh, House committees as well. So those are the things that were accomplished uh, through this whole circus of uh, 15 rounds of voting. Look, is it going to be a circus for the next two years? Are the Republicans going to get in line, get in order, and follow their leadership like the Democrats do? Obviously, we're going to wait and see. I, you know, I, you, you can't count on you know some of these holdouts. This is what they're going to do. They're going to try to make McCarthy's job miserable for the next two years, and maybe they're even going to do the motion to vacate. You know, we'll have to wait and see. Hold that over his head. Um, all right, President Biden on Thursday spoke to reporters. That's a rare event to begin with. And he discussed the border crisis. Of course, he's not calling it a crisis. He discussed, you know, the wonderful peachy situation at the border, which you know, a lot of people would look at at these detention centers, which are filled to capacity, people living in squalor, and they would probably mix it up with some fancy luxury hotel on some gorgeous island, right? I mean, it's 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 not a crisis. It's, the border is just fine. And well, why are these Republicans making up? I mean, millions of people coming across. Uh, with no basis to do so, and then uh, entering America and uh, living off of tax dollars. Uh, the, what? Where's the crisis? Anyway, but what was really egregious, Biden compared illegals to Jews um, leaving, fleeing Nazi Germany, fleeing from prosecution, trying to avoid death camps. Listen to this clip. Mr. President, why immigrant migration is a human right? Activists say that it is. What's your take? Well, I think it is a human right if you have your if your family's being persecuted, if you're being dealt with in a way. I mean, like it was, I thought it was a human right for, you know, uh, uh, Jews in Germany to be able to go to get to escape and get help where they could. Um, but the other side of this is there's also the people in this country have basic rights that are here, basic fundamental rights to assure that people are coming have been checked out. They're not criminals. They're not problem they're you know they're, that their background checks so i mean there you go just disgraceful comments and uh, look there's no comparison number one the people crossing they, they're not even fleeing persecution okay there's no basis to believe that most of these people they just want a better life they just want to be in america because they live in miserable conditions now i feel bad for them i want to be clear i feel terrible for them if they're making the trek all the way up to cross the mexican border with the united states they're not happy people okay they're not living prosperous lives and of course america is going to give them I mean, tons of free money. We told you recently about all these social programs. A family can earn forty, fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars a year in free government programs. You can't health care and all these other things. So you know, and food stamps and everything else. So um, I feel terrible for these people. I-, I feel a tremendous sense of compassion for these people, probably even more than Biden, who lets these people live in squalor when they come across the United States, but um, and puts them on buses in the middle of the night and uh, charter planes and uh, just leaves them off in the middle of nowhere. It says here, go. Find somewhere to live. and uh, But to compare them to Jews fleeing Nazi Germany is inexcusable and disgraceful. And frankly, it's sickening. Now, Biden also lied at the end of that clip where he says, oh, but people in America have a right to know that they're being vetted and, 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 and that the criminals are not coming over. And that's not true. There is no vetting process. We know that thousands of criminals come across the border. We know that drug cartels smuggle drugs across the border, fentanyls coming across the border, and then, you know, killing teenagers, killing Tons of America, a huge number of Americans, a very, very disturbing number. Um, we know about the crime, the gangs, MS-13, the weapons and everything else. So, And they're terrorists. There are literally terrorists who come across the border. And then the government just loses track of them. Once in a while, the government actually finds them. 
and uh, identifies them before they cross and hopefully sends them back, but not always. And we don't even know. We have no idea how many terrorists are crossing the border. So forget, you know, just average criminals who come across, which happens frequently, but terrorists are literally coming across, sneaking across the Mexican border. They come. Uh, uh, Middle Eastern terrorists, Muslim terrorists, Islamic terrorists, they come to Mexico. They fly to Mexico, which is not hard for them to do, get into Mexico. And then or from they go to Venezuela and then go to, from Venezuela, travel up to Mexico. And then they come across the U.S.-Mexican border. And they're terrorists, and, and, they, and very often they're able to sneak past and they don't get spotted because border security is processing these people in droves and they miss a lot, even if they're on a watch list and some of them aren't even on watch lists and they have no idea what their background is. Criminal background checks, vetting these people. Are you kidding me? None of that happens. That's a total lie uh, that, that that Biden told. And he doesn't care about Americans' rights. It's, it, it, it's America last. Biden also, by the way, told multiple lies when he was speaking on Thursday to reporters. He claimed that during his first days in office, he tried to pass a comprehensive bill to secure the border and immigration reform, and that's a lie. He actually did the opposite. Trump actually fixed the border, and then Biden, immediately upon assuming office, um, taking over the White House, Biden reversed all of Trump's achievements and literally reversed Trump's amazing policies, border policies, uh, which is so frustrating. It's beyond words how frustrating that is. In his first year in office, Biden passed nearly 90 executive orders reversing Trump's successful border and immigration policies, him, his administration and DHS Secretary Mayorkas, who deserves to be impeached. Hopefully Kevin McCarthy and the Republicans impeach Mayorkas. They should have made that. The holdouts should have made that one of the stipulations. They have um, repeatedly implemented policy changes to stop detention and allow these people to free into the United States to give them cell phones as tracking devices and to stop deportation. Um, they did the exact opposite of Biden's claim that they were securing the border. And we have never seen these kinds of record numbers of illegals crossing the border in in history like, like we have now. Number two, Biden falsely claimed that Congress rejected his request for funding to secure the border. That's a lie. Biden has requested funding for the border for one thing. OK, the only funding Biden wants is for processing. He wants there to be faster processing, more processing. Biden's funding for the border is not for border security. It's literally to allow more illegals into the country faster than ever before. So Biden, he claimed that he added hundreds of additional border agents and, and installed new technology. And the reality is um, all Biden would do, he would actually increase the surge. If he got more funding, it would literally increase the surge, get more illegals into the country faster. Let me read you a quote here from the recent omnibus bill. Uh, funding for Customs and Border Protection specifically may not be used to acquire, maintain, or extend border security technology or capabilities except for technology that to improve border patrol processing. So literally, the money that was used, that was uh, actually allocated by Congress in this recent bill to fund the border is, is it's illegal to use that money to increase border security. That money can only be used, it's egregious, think about that, can only be used to improve border processing, which means allow more illegals into the country faster. Another lie Biden claimed that he said, oh, the notion that uh, the influx of illegals is beyond our capacity, I don't buy that. That's what Biden said. He said, I, I don't buy this. There's an idea out there. His words were... Um, the idea this is beyond our, compa our capacity, I just don't buy, referring to the influx, the numbers crossing the border, which is the numbers are, as I said, are off the charts. Well, actually, m many Democratic mayors 
disagree with Biden. Muriel Bowser of Washington, D.C., Eric Adams of New York, Lori Lightfoot of Chicago, and other mayors have begged the federal government for help. They say they are overwhelmed. They say that taxpayers cannot support the health care, education, housing, transportation, and all the public benefits. They have asked for federal budget, federal money, federal funding, federal bailouts. So Biden saying it's not beyond our capacity is just a flat-out lie, and, and every Democrat knows that. All right, we've got some news out of Iran. We now know um, by the Biden, the Biden administration's own admission that they offered Iran everything, every possible thing, including the kitchen sink, every concession imaginable, and yet Iran rejected the deal. At the end of the day, it was Iran that rejected the deal. Biden's going to tell you, oh, you know, I'm, I'm not allowing Iran to resume the nuclear deal. But actually, Iran is, they are better off than they have ever been because they're allowed to just develop a nuke unfettered, unhinged, and they're the ones who rejected the deal. Now, why did they reject the deal? Because, and, and what we're going to read you the quote here, literally Ned Price admitted this. They did it because they're literally within days of developing a nuke. They're, they're, they're doing it and nobody's stopping them. Maybe Netanyahu now taking office will stop them. But they have minimal sanctions. The sanctions are not being enforced. They have no consequences. They're getting richer than ever. Iran is more dangerous than ever. They have internal issues because of all the protests. But as far as developing a nuke, why would they agree to a deal? Agreeing to a deal right now would be the, would, would be the dumbest thing Iran could do because they're getting everything they want. Biden and the U.N. not being tough, not threatening Iran. They're basically begging and groveling. And Iran is saying, so long, sayonara. You know, and it's like Biden is like, well, pretty, pretty pleased. Pretty pleased with the cherry on top. Can you please agree to a nuclear deal? We'll give you everything you want. We'll remove the terrorist label from the IRGC. We'll give you whatever. And the Iranians said, actually, you know, we're basically uh, days away from a nuclear from, from a nuclear weapon. And we already have the missiles that are capable of delivering it across the across the globe. So why on earth would we agree to a deal? Now, I do expect to see mystery explosions taking place in, in Iran nuclear facilities here over the next coming weeks. Now that, uh, thankfully, Bibi Netanyahu is back in charge. I mean, amazing. That man just never goes away. And we'll see if the same thing happens with Trump. Ned Price, uh, State Department spokesman, he revealed that, as I said, that Iran rejected a nuclear deal. The statement came in response to a claim made by Bibi Netanyahu saying that um, the Biden administration is still trying to revive the nuclear talks and a nuclear deal. I believe Netanyahu, by the way, I don't believe Ned Price, but Ned Price, he said, quote, he said, the Iranians killed the opportunity for a swift return to mutual compliance with the JCPOA. The most They most recently did so in September when they turned their backs on a deal that was by all accounts essentially finalized, ready to go. Since then, the JCPOA, that's the nuclear deal, by the way, has not been on the agenda. It has not been on the agenda for months. It, by the way, none of this, none of this matters because if, if, if Ned Price is right, then uh, still that means that there, there is no deal right now and the Iranians are just developing a nuke. And, and we know that. We know that because they're telling us. We know that because the UN, the IAEA, uh, who's in charge of, of inspecting, they're – uh, confirming what the Iranians are claiming, and nobody's denying it. So my rule is if, if 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 nobody's denying it and the UN confirms it, I don't trust the UN usually, but it's probably true. Why on earth would anybody doubt it? Uh, you know, it's not in their best interest to admit that and confirm it. Now, uh, so whether Netanyahu is right that Biden's still begging the Iranians to come back to the table, which I suspect that he is, um, or whether Net Price is right that, eh, the, you know, we tried, we tried, we tried, but the Iranians walked away. Either way, it's a huge, huge embarrassment. But more importantly, for, you know, for the Biden administration, but more importantly, it's terrifying. It's terrifying. The, the Iranians are 
developed the, the, the Iranians. They're one huge, giant terror regime, terror group, and they're, they may already have a nuclear weapon in their possession, or if not, they're literally just weeks and days away from having one. And nobody's doing anything to stop them, other than hopefully Netanyahu and some mystery fires. That's going to do it for today, and we will see you next time.